Good morning, everyone, again. Good morning. Welcome to the church and welcome to the Feast of the Word. And that's what we call the sermon. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for leading us to, to, to this stage where we can gather freely and celebrate and uh, praise your name on the first day of the week. We may not always have this privilege, but when we have it, let, let us celebrate it. And may your Holy Spirit this morning anoint me and everybody here to open our heart to your truth. And let us recognize the truth behind the legend, and uh, may the truth really sink in and blossom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. We are studying the book of Jonah. It's maybe the most familiar story in the Bible, right? Everybody knows Jonah and the whale. However, does everybody believe that it is telling a real history and rather than a legendary tale? Many people have doubts, right? Think it was a tale. And um, no, it's real history. And um, well, why do we believe in that? Well, partly because our Lord did. You know, um, let me put this on the slideshow. Okay. Book of Jonah, part two. The truth behind the legend. I gave the title for today. It serves him right, but God is short of spite. All right. Uh, why serve him right? Well, it's talking about Jonah. Okay. Jonah was a servant of God. He answered the call. He became a prophet. And then a servant should always listen to the word of the master, right? Otherwise, he should be punished. Well, God commanded Jonah to prophesy against Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria in today's Iraq. Uh, it's upstream um, river of Tigris. Okay. Um, Babylon is the downstream river of um, Euphrates. Okay. But this all in today's Iraq is called Mesopotamia, the land of two rivers. Okay. Meso is between, Potamia is river. Remember, um, what is the hippopotamus, right? <laughs> the, uh, no, <laughs> hippo is horse, potamus is um, river. So the river horse is a hippopotamus. Okay. And um, um, Nineveh, uh, or Assyria at that time was a very strong nation. It's a superpower. It was known for its uh, cruelty. And uh, Jonah recognized that Nineveh could become a threat to Israel. Therefore, he did not want to go and serve God to these people. He rather want God just to blast these people. He doesn't want to give them a chance to repent. So God commanded them, him to go east to Nineveh. But he boarded a ship and went to Tarshish, which is west. Can you be more disobedient than this? It's a really in-your-face type of open rebellion, right? You want me to go east? I'm going west. Okay? But that's really childish, isn't it? Don't you think that Jonah knows that God was, uh, was sovereign and he could handle this? You know, he was playing childishness, and therefore God started to play along. 
and uh, he started to play parentness, whatever. I've made up that word. And he played along. Okay, you want to play? Fine, I'll play along. You want to go west? Try. Well, I'll give you a win. Try it. And of course, they could not. And God sent a storm to punish Jonah with the Gentile sailors as innocent, potential innocent victims. Okay. The storm could have sank the sh ship and uh, killed Jonah together with these sailors. Now, the sailors were sinners. We recognize that. But in this affair, they were innocent. They were brought in here. Okay. Uh, and uh, these sailors showed more fear of the Lord, actually, than Jonah. They uh, figured out that Jonah was the, the culprit. Uh, however, they were very reluctant in throwing him over the seas. Even Jonah said, please, throw me in, then you will be free. You know, that's the, and they, they were reluctant. They did not want to have blood on their hands. So they showed the respect of life. Who's the author of all life? God, right? And the people of God should respect life, right? We need to be pro-life. That's because we are believers of God, the author of all lives. And only God has a right to give and to take life. Okay? And uh, unless he gave us the authority to take animals' life for food, that he gave us in Genesis 9. But other than that, we don't have rights over human lives. So, was Jonah consistent in trying to throw away his own life together with these other sailors? He was not consistent. He was not behaving like a believer. And uh, he actually, because of his open rebellion, what's the price, what's the wage of sin? Death. He deserved death. Okay. And uh, these people showed respect of life. They finally, reluctantly threw him over. And after that, the sea was pacified. And these people thanked God. And they promised to worship God and give more sacrifices when they get on land. And Jonah, he went down to the gate of Hades. We know that the word Hades is a Greek word for the underworld, the world of the, of the dead. Okay? Uh, Sheol or Sheol is the Hebrew word. They mean the same thing. It's netherworld or rather netherland. You know what the netherland means? Underland. Because its land is under the sea level. So, um, Jonah actually went down to the gate of Hades. He was practically dead by drowning. And, and uh, he, was, he went down because he was wrong. And that was my title for the last sermon. You go down when the right people are wrong. Okay. And uh, that was the background. Now what happened? Let's read the text. Please open your Bible, turn to um, the book of Jonah. It's one of the small books. Um, it's after Obadiah, the smallest book of the Old Testament, and before Micah in chapter 117. The structure of the book is very regular, basically go about uh, the chapters, except this one verse, 117, that should go with the chapter 2. 117, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. And the Lord appointed a great fish. He simply just say so. He just 
and the fish was there. Maybe he just said so, the fish appeared. Who knows? Okay. He appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. Now, what happened before this? What's implied, which we can see from the whole narrative, is that Jonah was almost drowned and he lost his consciousness. But when he woke up, he found that he was in the belly of a great fish. Now, it was in the stomach. So he was with other fish. Should have fishes? No, just other fish. Okay, uh, dead fish, and they are smelly. And he was squirmed in that, and this whooshing, this whooshing. You don't want to imagine what kind of feeling it was. <laughs> it, not good. And um, uh, he woke up in that situation. And uh, the nature of this event, of the experience, being in the belly of the of the fish. Was that part of the punishment, or was that a stage of God's special rescue mission? You know, traditionally, we would think, oh, that was the punishment, and who want to be in this belly of the fish? But just think about again, okay, would Jonah have been dead without being swallowed by the fish? Yeah, he would have been drowned, right? So the drowning was, and death through drowning was the actual worst punishment. Okay. So jo Jonah went down from Jerusalem to Joppa, from Joppa to the ship, from the deck of the ship to the hold, right, of the ship, uh, uh, and, and then to the sea and to the bottom of the ocean. That was the way of going down, down, down when this right people was wrong. Okay. And now, God actually rescued him by sending the fish to swallow him. Now, we know that if the fish is big enough and the stomach has air, he could survive. Okay? And uh, so that's my understanding. Being in the belly of the fish, even though it was gooey and, uh, you know, what call it? unpleasant, okay? but it was not part of the punishment. It was actually the first stage of God's rescue mission. Even though you don't feel good sometimes in your life, you may be complaining, but if you change your perspective, you might have seen that you are at the first stage of God's rescue mission. So you should have been praising rather than complaining. So change your perspective. You might be a happier person. Okay. So... Uh, the historicity of this event. Uh, a lot of people doubt whether this was real. Okay? Children know. Everybody ha who had been to Sunday school know that uh, okay, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. As children, they may have truly believed. You know, they were innocent. Just think about it. Eve talked with the serpent. Do you ever talk with a serpent? If a serpent starts to talk with you, you know, would you ever respond? Please don't, okay? <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you do, you have a problem here. <laughs> but on the other hand, um, the, uh, Eve, for Eve, it was understandable because she was innocent. She has an adult body, but she has an infant's mind. Okay? If you have never, for children, if they have never talked with, with an animal, but the first animal they meet, they meet talk, what do the children believe? Animals talk, right? So it's just natural. It's innocent, okay? But um, um, the uh, uh, Jonah, he was not that innocent. Uh, he, uh, 
He was punished. He was rescued. He was complaining. And this was a real historical event. Today's people, modern people, doubt it, but that's unbelief. That's not from God. Jesus Christ never doubted its validity. And that's good enough reason for me to believe this was true. Jesus told the people of his generation that um, I will not anymore give you other signs. The other signs were for local people, people who were present. But I will give you one sign for the whole nation. That's called the sign of Jonah. And the Son of Man will be in the belly of Hades for three days and three nights. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. And after that, just like Jonah went on his mission to the Gentiles, Jesus would fulfill his mission to the Gentiles. You see, can you see that Jonah was a type for Christ and Jesus was the antitype? See, what does the name Jonah mean? Dove, if you were here last two weeks ago. Okay? Jonah means dove. Okay? And dove should mean peace, right? Okay. And uh, who is God? God is the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the sons of God. Right? So, why are you called sons of God? Because God is a peacemaker. He tried to make peace with man and teach them to make peace with one another. And if you do the same... You make peace with God and you make peace with others and then you teach others to do the same. You are doing what your father is doing. Therefore, people will call you son of God. See, God is a peacemaker. And uh, the dove, uh, the man named the dove, Jonah, should have been the peacemaker. God tried to give a warning to the to the Ninevians saying that you have been too wicked you repent or else and God intended for them to repent and be forgiven but Jonah did not want to do it he did not fulfill the mission however Jesus really had the dove it was the Holy Spirit in the form of dove landing on him right and Jesus later fulfilled a mission of telling the good news to all nations through his disciple and through the Holy Spirit. And he, he did it, right? So we have this a, a, a type which is unfulfilled. He is incomplete and unfulfilled. But we have an anti-type who is complete and perfect and fulfilled. Okay? Jonah had a, is named the dove. Jesus really have the dove, the Holy Spirit. Jonah did not finish his mission in at first place, then later finish it reluctantly. Jesus actually finished it, and he finished it voluntarily. Right? Jonah did not really die; he just lost consciousness. Jesus actually died. It actually went to Hades, and uh, um, Jonah, um, his the salvation God provided to the uh, Gentiles through Jonah was incomplete. The Ninevians, uh, they repented of their cruelty for a while they were forgiven um, for a while but later they returned to their sin and the nation was gone Nineveh, Assyria was gone Assyria was conquered by uh, New Babylonia and uh, it's, it's gone and today there are only a few Assyrians living in Iraq they are the Arab Christians and they are persecuted now heavily and they are emigrating to America and once they are all gone no more Assyrians 
Uh, so the historicity is that uh, this was real. Jesus believed it, and uh, I should believe it. Jonah was a type. Jesus was the antitype. Okay. Now, the word fish, in Hebrew, it was the word dog, which means just fish, any sea creatures, th things that live in the water. So it can cover any kind of things, not, including fish or whale, which technically today is not a fish, right? Whale is a mammal. Okay. And, uh, and it could also call, um, cover the, uh, the, the shellfish, <laughs> which it lived in the sea, but it's not um, in today's sense a fish. So dog is really general. And the Greek word which Jesus used when he quoted uh, Jonah's story, he is katos. It means the sea monster. So it's a legendary figure. It couldn't be the legendary sea snake, the serpent, uh, or it could mean um, something that I believe would, uh, would be dinosaur. <laughs> and uh, or it could mean just a gigantic sea creature, not specified. Okay. It's pointless trying to guess what it actually is, but I think it's prob probably, at least possibly, a sperm whale, which usually swallows the whole thing without chewing it. And, uh, and also its stomach is big enough, and, uh, and it has air, and uh, historically there was an example. In the 19th century, a sailor was thrown overboard, he was swallowed by a, a sper sperm whale, and later people caught that whale and dug him out. And it was several days later, he survived, except he was dyed very white. Uh, <laughs> and probably has <laughs> lesions from those, uh, those acid uh, in the stomach. But anyway, he survived. So historically, this was proven possible. So that's my guess. And about the time, the three days and three nights, uh, according to a Sumerian resource, Sumerian source, um, it is the time to travel between the living, the world of the living to the world of the dead, a round trip. Okay, three days and three nights. And uh, you know about Sumerians, right? You've heard about, at least heard about the word Sumer and the Sumerian language and culture. Okay, Sumerian is a language that we found out uh, on some um, tablets in Mesopotamia around Babylon or Ur. Okay? And uh, it's the earliest language of mankind, as far as we know. And it's not related with any of today's uh, language families. We have three major language families related with the three races from the three sons of, um, of Noah. Okay. The Semitic and uh, the, uh, well, actually, the, the Hams and the Hamitic and Semitic is linked together. And then there is the Indo-European, which is the Japhethites. And there is the, the Asian Pacific, which is unknown. <laughs> but anyway, um, the, um, uh, the Sumerian language, I believe, uh, belong to the people who, after the Tower of Babel, ruled over the world for a certain time. And they are called the black, the black-headed, and uh, the language was independent of any language family because those have not been developed yet, okay. and uh, they just existed for a short time, then disappeared. Okay, that's my belief. But the, the secular world believe it's just very old, old language. But I believe in the early time in the Bible, from Adam to uh, 
to the time of um, Babel, the language was proto-Semitic. Proto Semitic. Semitic? Proto Semitic. Which is the. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm still learning. If you are sure, tell me. Okay, proto Semitic or proto Semitic? It's a language close to today's Hebrew and Arabic. Okay. Why? Well, because the names, the, the 20 names in Genesis 5 and 10, they have meanings in the Hebrew language. They can be understood. Okay. So if it's different language, they wouldn't have meaning. So I would say the earlier language must be close to today's Semitic language. That's what we call it, proto-Semitic. Uh, okay. So the, the Sumerian, therefore, must be after the, the Tower of Babel. But anyway, okay. according to Sumerian sources, uh, three days and three nights is a time for a round trip um, between the world of the living and the world of the dead. Now, wouldn't that fit the situation? Because Jonah did the round trip, right? And uh, it also fits Jesus, the round trip. Okay, So I think this is probably what it meant at that time. Okay. Now, the psalm of praise by Jonah in chapter 2, verses 2 to 9, is structured, very well structured. It has three stanzas, and uh, uh, the first one is a summary of answered prayer in verses 2 to 4. The second one is a report of crisis and rescue, verses 5 to 7. Both of them is about how God rescued Jonah from drowning. But Jonah was thankful that he was not dead, but he was he requested to be further delivered, to be thrown on the dry land. That's the next two verses. Verses 8 to 9, it's a declaration of faith and a vow of praise. So let's read uh, 2, 1 to 4. That's the first section. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. He, you heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. It ends as a mention with a mention of the holy temple. Jonah prayed to Yahweh, his God, from the stomach of the fish in verse 1. First of all, if Jonah had been drowned, could he pray? He couldn't, right? So the fact that he was praying was the result of having already been delivered from death by drowning. Okay. God already partially rescued Jonah from the sea. God's delivery was due to his sovereign grace. The first act of salvation is always from God's sovereign choice. Okay. Because nobody deserves it, right? If you are a sinner, what you deserve is death, right? As Jonah did. And uh, if God decides to forgive your sin, that's a sovereign choice. Okay. He decided to do so. He could decide just to let you die. That would be just. Okay. But he decided to forgive. That's sovereign. That's merciful. But somebody have to pay for it. Then we must have Jesus. All right. So God's sovereign delivery first was due to his sovereign grace. And God forgave Jonah's sin of open rebellion, which did deserve death. 
Now, God's delivery also may take stages or steps. Being in the belly of the whale was the first stage. It didn't feel good, but it was a lifting up. Okay. And uh, Jonah was praying for further or complete delivery. God desires that we respond to his grace. Because the reason he chooses anybody to save is that he wants us to have a relationship with him. A relationship is two directions. Okay. He loves us first, then we need to love him back. Only if this way can we have a relationship. Do you have a relationship in family if it's one direction? If only the husband loves the wife and the wife never responds, would that be a relationship? No way, all right? <laughs> right? The other way around also. If, if the wife loves the husband, you know, cook for him, feed for him, and bear children with him, the husband loves nothing but cars and raises and fish, there's no relationship either, right? It has to be two directions. Somebody has to start. Okay, God starts the divine human relationship. Okay. Husband should be the starter of the husband-wife relationship. Man is the active person which God made them. So therefore, if something's wrong with the family, men always have at least 51% of responsibility. Okay. I'm a man, so I'm saying that. Um, honestly, uh, knowing that I don't deserve um, the love um, I receive from my wife all the time. Okay, so because I am responsible, but if she is loving me, and uh, I also take 51% credit. <laughs> uh, that's the way it is. Okay, God is the starter, and God made man to the starter and the initiator. Okay, and uh, um, God desires us to respond to His grace. So God starts the first stage of delivery, but the later stages of delivery are conditioned on our responses. Okay? If we respond to him properly, okay, gratefully, okay, faithfully, then he will deliver further steps. Okay? Otherwise, you get stalled. You stay there. Okay? You may get eternal life, which is God's initial you know, response, but God also wants you to be blessed. But if you don't respond, then you don't get blessed. Yeah, you got eternal life, but you live a hard life now. You see? Uh, that's that's the that's just the the, the lesson. Okay, you got to respond, but the all the first starter, the credit, the ultimate credit is always God. Okay, and uh, now um, Jonah was nearly drowned in the sea. Um, in, in verse 3, it says, For you have cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows pass over me. He said, You had cast me into the deep. Really? Wasn't that the, uh, the sailors that cast him into the sea? Yes and no. The sailors did it because God pushed them. Okay? God forced them to do so. So, ultimately, it was God who disciplined Jonah. Jonah now recognized that I am a servant of God, I have been dis, uh, disobedient, and I am disciplined by God. He recognized it, and that's important. He was nearly drowned in the sea, and uh, it was God who made the breakers and the billows to cover him, okay? and Jonah recognized it. 
That's good. Then he prayed due to distress. He said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of the shield. He heard my voice. When he was living his regular life, he said, God, no, not your will, but my will be done. But now he was in distress. Suddenly he wants God to have his will be done in saving him. Do you think he was consistent? No. Right? C.S. Lewis said very well, when we die, we either say, the Lord, Lord, may your will be done, or the Lord will say, man, may your will be done. Okay? People, if they don't believe in the Lord, they don't want to be with him, then God says, may your will be done. Then you go to a place where God shows his justice and not his mercy and glory. And that will be hell. Okay? So, it is only consistent if we want God's will be done. Okay? We, not only at a time of stress, but also at a regular time. That's the only consistent lifestyle for believers. Okay? Now, Jonah prayed due to distress, not because of the love of God. Now, remember, it's Jonah himself who wrote the book. So, he... he he was humble enough to admit this at the time of writing. Okay. And God heard his prayers without many words or long time. Because the prayer was made from the shield, uh, from the belly of Sheol. You know, Sheol is the world of the dead. When he was already in the belly of Sheol, what did that, does that mean? Was he practically dead? He was. Okay. He lost his consciousness. Maybe he said a word before he losing, losing his consciousness. He said, God Something like that. And then he lost his consciousness. But maybe he didn't even say it. But in his heart, he desired so. But God heard it. God hears prayers without many words, without long time. Does prayer have to be done publicly? No, it doesn't. Does it have to be done with many words? No. Does it have to be done with, for a long time? No. Does it have to be done uh, in the kneeling position? No. All of those are good, but none of them are necessary. Okay. God hears prayers, genuine, sincere prayers from the bottom of the heart, even before you say it, because God reads your mind. Okay. God heard Jonah's prayer. And then Jonah recognized his status as a sinner. In 4a, he says, I said I have been expelled from your sight, or banished from your sight. And nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. He says, now I want to see your face. It was Jonah who first refused to see God's face. God wants him to go east. He went west. Right? He was escaping God's face. And he banished God by disobeying God's will. But now, after recognizing that God banished him in disciplining, he wants God's will be done in rescuing him. Now, Jonah, he grew a hardened heart towards sinners. But now he wants God to have a warm heart towards him, a sinner. Now, was he consistent? Again, no. Uh, if we want God to be, have a warm heart and be merciful toward us, okay, to not only forgive our sins so that we can have eternal life, 
that once we believe Jesus, that's guaranteed. But also to to spare us the consequences of our sins, so that before the consequences come, we could be um, courageous enough to reconciliate with people and then to you know repay damages, and so we don't have the consequences. It, that's a mercy from God. If we desire mercy, what should we do? Give mercy first. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. See? Now, the fifth beatitude is talking about the first step of sanctification, not about salvation. The first f- four is related with salvation. So remember, this reciprocity, reciprocity? Uh, is uh, required only for the sanctifying sense, okay? not for the first step of salvation. That's God's work. Okay? But once you have been saved by faith, you must give mercy in order to receive mercy. This is, has nothing to do with eternal life. This is about the consequence of sin in this life. Okay? So he wants to be spared okay, of physical death. Now, he must be willing to give mercy. How? By going to Nineveh and proclaiming God's message. Okay. So J- Jonah, he grew a hardened heart and he had no right demanding God's warm heart toward him. But God gave him nonetheless because God was good and God was sovereign. And so Jonah requested to worship God again at his holy temple. Now to worship there, he had to be thrown on the dry land. Right? He had to live. And uh, of course, he had to obey God's word, uh, word. He had to go fulfill God's mission. But after that, he could go and worship God. So basically, he is saying, God, please make me live. And I will thank you later. But being such a proud person, he couldn't say it directly. He, he said in a roundabout way, God, let me be able to worship you. And the, 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 the middle part, he skipped, but he, he implied it. Okay. You know, do you like men who say things straightforward or in the roundabout ways? Well, we need to be gentle, but too roundabout is hard to guess, right? It's already difficult enough to guess women's heart, you know, why men joining in there. You know, God made women that way, it's not their fault. <laughs> Okay, that's just who they are. But men, they should be straightforward. And if you can't say things straight, there's something wrong. For Jonah, that was pride. He just couldn't say it. You know, he, he, he used a roundabout way. And uh, Jonah was surely dying by drowning. In verse 5 to 6, uh, let's read um, from verse 5 to um, Seven, Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. So, uh, he said, water encompassed me. Water was over his neck and uh, seaweed wrapped around his head. Do you think he was on the surface or was he in the deep? If you have seaweed, it's pretty deep. Okay? And they usually um, 
constrain you, and he couldn't swim, and he was really dying. He said, I was at the base of mountains. And ancient people believe that mountains have bases, and the, their route goes down to the sea. So he was at the bottom of the ocean. And he says, the gate of Hades closed behind me. Okay? The earth with its bars. What's bars? The gate. Okay? So the, he was buried with dirt, the earth. It's, it's like Hades opened its gate for him. He entered, and the gate closed behind him. He was actually dead, practically. And, and he says, but I, while I was fainting away, when he was losing his conscience, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you. He forgot the Lord when he was on dry land, but he remembered the Lord when he was in difficulty. Unfortunately, that's the case for many people. We forget the Lord when we are living a regular life. And then when God disciplines us, we remember the Lord. And hopefully, the remembrance happens in time. His, his happened at the moment of death, and God heard the prayer from his heart and delivered him. What if he was a little late? You know? That's, you know, hard, right? See, it's better to remember the Lord all the time, or most of your times, or regularly, daily. Morning and evening, you pray, you thank God, and uh, you ask God to put on you the armor of the Lord, you know, protect you from the, 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 the attack from the demon, you know, whatever. And thank God for forg forgiveness at night, confess your sins, have peace at night. So, be regular with the Lord, okay? In, don't, instead of remembering Him only at the time of the distress. So, Jonah remembered the Lord just on time before losing consciousness. God heard the words from his heart and God lifted him out of the pit. The word the pit in the Bible is a synonym with Hades with Sheol. It's all mean, they all mean the world of the dead. Okay? God lifted him out of the pit. That means he's back to the world of the living. And then uh, Jonah made a further request. In, uh, he found out, oh, I'm glad to be alive, but I don't want to stay here in the belly of the whale. So he made a further request. In verses 8 to 9, he said, Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Okay. He is saying that... Uh, I believe in the true God, Yahweh, the eternal one, the maker of heaven and earth. And uh, everybody on earth should believe in you because you are good. You give the sunshine to the living and the dead. Ev no, to the, to the wicked and the righteous. And uh, everybody should worship you. But the idolaters, they don't give credit to you. Shame on them. But I do give credit to you. That's declaring his faith. But did he have to give this gratuitous blast, you know, on the idolaters? That was gratuitous, right? He didn't have to do that. He should just say, Lord, I believe in you. You are a true God. That's enough. But he did that by going roundabout again, by blasting on the idolaters. You see, the person was such a proud person, he couldn't say the direct request. <laughs> he go the roundabout way. And, uh, okay. <laughs> and he promised to respond to God's grace by spurning the idolaters in forgetting it. He says, you know, they uh, forsake their faithfulness. They don't thank you, but I will. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving in which that which I vowed I will pay. 
He basically promised to worship God with praise and with sacrifice. And that he can only do later, after the salvation. So he's giving a vow, which Jesus advised people not to do. When you give a vow, you usually give because you want something and you couldn't get it. Only God can do it. And then you want God to do it for you, but you promise to give God a portion as a thank you. Don't you think that's usually reflecting greed of mankind? You know? and, uh, and also, when you give a vow, you always have the possibility of forgetting it. That will put you in the place of a liar. Right? So Jesus said, just make your yes, yes, and no, no. You know? And the best is you don't make vows. Okay? But he had to. <laughs> he felt he needed. So he gave a vow. And he promised, I pro- I, whatever I vowed, I will pay. Not like those idolaters. They don't. Well, really? Uh, <laughs> he was, was he the first in making a promise after the sal- uh, being delivered? No, the sailors did before him, right? So, he was actually following the example of the sailors, the Gentiles. Okay. Would, is Israel the first nation or the last nation in God's scheme of salvation? Or both? It's both, right? Israel was the first chosen, is called the firstborn of all nations, but on the other hand... Uh, Israel's national salvation will only come at the time of tribulation, after the church from all nations have already been delivered. You see, so Israel will be both the first and the last. Jonah was the right people; he was chosen, but he is now actually the last. <laughs> He's following the sailors, while he didn't even recognize that. So finally, what happened in verses in verse two ten? Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. After Jonah memorized and quoted a Bible, it's always good to memorize the scripture and quote it in time. He says, salvation is from the Lord. He basically says, my life is in your hands. And then what did God do? The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. So... Even the fish obey God's command. So, whose God is Yahweh? Is he only the God of Israel? Is he only the God of the people from all nations? No, he's the God of all creation. Okay? So, when Jesus commanded the sea and they quiet, and it, it became quiet, the, di- the disciples were astonished, saying, even the sea listened to him. That means what? He must be God, who is the Lord of all creation, right? Same here. God proved that he is truly God by commanding the fish, and the fish listened. Now, in that, the fish listened to God's command, while Jonah, the book's hero, didn't. So, who is morally better, the fish or Jonah? The fish was better. Right? Of course, the fish doesn't have moral uh, ability, so that's not a credit to the fish. But at least it was simple-minded. It listened and, and uh, just believed. God commanded us to be childlike, simple-minded like children. Believe in what the parents tell them and just do it. Okay? Obey. 
We should be childlike, not childish, as Jonah was doing. Okay, so uh, the fish was simple-minded. It just heard a command somehow, and it obeyed. It actually is a contrast, telling that Jonah was not so good. And Jonah uh, was given a second chance to obey God's command and go to proclaim God's word to the Gentiles. So, will he do it? Do you think he wants to repeat the experience? No. So he did it. We'll see that next week. What can we learn from this chapter? First of all, God loves sinners from all nations, and he will rescue according to his sovereign will. Whomever he chooses, he will res rescue. And God rescued his disobedient servants if they recognize God's sovereignty and obey. See, servants of God are the messengers of God to save all those whom God wants to save. But if the servants have a hardened heart to the, toward the sinners, they don't want to serve, then will the servant be dis disciplined? Yes, they will. You are the right people, but if you do wrong, you will be disciplined more than the wrong people. Okay? That's what he did. And uh, he, what he received. God disciplined him. In discipline, we either surrender and get rescued, or we refuse and just get killed. Isn't there a kind of sin called the sin unto death? Right? In First John. There are times when believers sin and will not repent, and God have to kill him, kill them. People in, for, in the First Corinthians they worship God with frivolous heart. They did not do the communion seriously, and some of them slept. Now, what did that mean? Died, right? So, yeah, uh, in discipline it can be very hard. But God is always warm toward us. He will respond to any sign of repentance. And God will rescue either the hardcore pagan or the hard, hardened hearted servants if they show any sign of repentance. And one uh, or we cannot consistently have a cold heart toward other sinners and request God to rescue us from the consequence of our sins. If we ever want to request God, be merciful to us. Yes, God, we have sinned, but we don't want to bear the consequence. So lighten the consequence, please, Lord, because you love us. If you want to have a right to claim so, you must first be gentle and merciful toward others. Okay? Otherwise, you don't have a right to claim so. Okay? And the God's delivery may take stages, such as... Um, Jonah being in the belly of the whale. We should praise rather than complain when we are, we feel like in the belly of the whale. Don't you sometimes feel like it? I do sometimes. But I recognize our God is good. He's loving. He's here. He's training us. So feeling like in the belly of the whale is yucky sometimes. But it's better than that, right? So praise God rather than complaining against God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us such a wonderful um, section of the Bible. And it tells us the truth behind the legend. The truth is that you are a good God and you are a holy God. Being your chosen people, 
either part of Israel or the church is an honor. And the, the salvation always starts from your sovereign choice. And the credit ultimately is always yours. But you want us to respond. And sometimes we don't respond uh, quickly and we suffer more. Thank you for giving us ex the example that even for hardcore people like Jonah, who did not have a warm heart toward other sinners, you still listened to his prayer while he was at the gate of Hades. So, Father, we pray that we will respond to your grace. We open our eyes, recognize your blessings in our life. We will count our blessings and thank you and uh, recognize you are lifting us up and you are in the process of salvation. And uh, whatever stage we are in, we need to praise you, thank you, and pray and respond to your grace so that further delivery may follow. And may this guide our life and may we praise your name forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.